This is the Diamond Hogs Podcast with Mason Choate and Robert Stewart. Welcome to the Diamond Hogs Podcast, the official first episode of postseason. The 2023 NCAA tournament is here. Arkansas hosting the Fayetteville Regional. It's a loaded one. We're going to get to uh, Dave Van Horn talking about it being the most difficult regional uh, there is. And we're going to talk to Matt Grissom about some numbers that prove that. He's going to help us out with some betting for the regionals, get you set, tell you what teams you need to be looking at, where you need to be placing your money. And we also have Arkansas left-handed pitcher Zach Morris. The the captain, Zach Morris, a chat with him about uh, his road to struggling. Uh, he was struggling at the beginning of this year. Now he has confidence going into postseason baseball, and that's exactly what they need. So I talked to him about that uh, and some other stuff, you know, being there, doing that last year. So we're going to talk with Zach about that. A great episode of the Diamond Hogs podcast, part of the Hogbeat podcast network, hogbeat.com. H-A-W-G-B-E-A-T.com. Go visit it. That is the website covering the Arkansas Razorbacks and the Rivals Network. I am the owner of hogbeat.com, Mason Choate. That is me, the host of the Diamond Hawks podcast, the premier Razorback baseball podcast. And I have co-host Christian with me, no longer producer. He has been moved up. Christian, are you ready for some postseason baseball? Oh, Mason, you know I am, man. It's it's, it's nothing like it in Fayetteville. I remember two years ago, um, you know, I wasn't for, – unfortunately, I didn't get to go to the games, and I really, really wish I did. But now this year, I'll be in the stadium, and it'll just – I can't wait to just get things going. And the atmosphere is already starting to pick up the last couple of days in the city. So it's really, it's really cool to see the city come alive and just get ready for some hog playoff baseball. Would you – would you say – if you don't show up to Baumwalker Stadium this weekend, you are not a baseball guy. I I wouldn't say you're not a baseball guy because I'm sure there's a lot of fans that can't make it, but I would say you're definitely missing out on an incredible opportunity. The atmosphere is nothing like you've ever seen before. If you've never been to the postseason, if you've never been to a regional super or Omaha, like there is nothing like it. The fans are in it from pitch one to the final out. And, you know, everything matters. Every hit, every pitch matters. And, you know, the energy is electric. So definitely get down to Baumwalker if you haven't got your ticket yet. You know, however you got to do it. If you got to pay way over market, do it. Just get there. Okay, but I I want to set up this hypothetical situation. <laughs> sure. Uh, so there's a, a guy, say, say this is a guy in this scenario, uh, yeah. age 22-ish. Sure. Um, has the opportunity to cover the Arkansas Razorbacks, chooses not to, could be in Fayetteville this weekend to cover, chose not to, uh, mm-hmm. was also part of a, a baseball podcast covering the Razorbacks and, and is no longer on that podcast, uh, at sure. least for, for you know, a specific episode that would come out hypothetically on Friday, June 2nd. Given all of that, would you then say that person is not a baseball guy? His 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 baseball guy title would definitely be in question. I would say that, yeah. Okay. And if if I was him, I would drop everything I'm doing just to be a part of the podcast and to be uh, not saying it's our podcast, but a podcast, and you know, be at Baumwalker and covering the Hogs. What else is better? Okay. No, no. I'm glad that you said that. Uh, for right. those not listening, the hypothetical in this situation would be Robert Stewart, who is not part of this podcast today. Uh, but that means that you get to listen to me be the the b- boring numbers reader, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a different route. It's gonna be a lot more fun, a lot more interesting. 
And we're going to get to all of that because we got not just one team to cover, Christian. We have three teams to cover because we're previewing the whole regional. So it's going to be a minute. A lot of teams. It is a lot of teams. And before we get started, let's talk to you about our friends at Bet Saracen. Bet Saracen, the mobile sports gambling partner of hogbeat.com, and they are the mobile sports gambling uh, app of the Saracen Casino Resort. So download Bet Saracen, uh, the Google Play Store, the App Store, get the app, place the bets. They have the double R props for Arkansas baseball. You cannot get those anywhere else. Bet Saracen, the only app that you can get those double R props that are specific props for Arkansas players. You can get them all weekend during the regional. Uh, just download the Bet Saracen app. And of course, you can bet on all other sports. I mean, like you can be betting on table tennis at like 3 a.m. if you want. So, uh, but if you have an issue, call 1 800 Gambler. And uh, but download Bet Saracen. Uh, thank you to Bet Saracen for your partnership. I love Bet Saracen. We will also have a story breaking down the lines, odds, props uh, for the Arkansas baseball game at some point this weekend. So be on the lookout for that at hogbeat.com as well. Um, all right, Christian, just general thoughts. Uh, I know you've glanced over the numbers a little bit, but just, you know, as I, so like I've looked into the numbers heavily. I, I have a good idea of everything. You, from, you know, a perspective of you just glanced over them, you kind of have, you know, some prior perception of these teams. What do you think of the of the field, TCU, Santa Clara, Arizona? Man, I know we've we've heard from a, a few coaches. We've heard from a few people in the media. This is definitely one of the toughest regionals out there. And, you know, that Santa Clara and TCU and Arizona, they're not to be taken for, you know, taken lightly at all. Um, I know we're going to get into kind of what their seasons looked like a little bit, maybe some of the, their stats and numbers, but, you know, Santa Clara coming in from the West coast, um, they won their, they won their conference. I mean, there's something to be said for that. Although it is the West coast conference, it's not the SEC or the ACC or even the big 12, but they've, they've been winning a lot of games lately and they're coming in with nothing to lose and they're coming into, you know, and uh, a big pro a big stadium with a lot of rowdy fans and a lot of fans that you know are going to be screaming from the first pitch on but for them it's just fun you know they they're just happy to to put it lightly I, I mean I know they're not really thinking this but they're happy to be here they're just happy to be in the postseason getting to play playoff baseball so so they're going out there with nothing to lose if uh, if they end up pulling off a miracle and win a couple games like that's a great that's a great regional for them so I think they're coming in to shake things up Santa Clara for sure uh TCU that's tough. TCU is coming in. They're they're going to try to they're going to try to win. They're going to try to get out of this this regional, going on to face the Terre Haute regional winner. Um, we we talked a lot about before who was who we're going to probably get between TCU and Dallas Baptist and a couple other teams, but I think TCU is part of the team we we didn't want to see, uh, just because they're so good. They just won the Big Twelve championship. Uh, they defeated Oklahoma State, who we saw last last postseason, and we know they're not they're not a they're, they're a really good team too. So TCU, you know, we're, we'll see. Um, and then with Arizona, they had, they struggled a lot this year. PAC 12 um, just hasn't been what it has been in the past lately. Um, but they did reach their conference championship and they lost to, let me see, who was it? Oregon. They lost to Oregon, but they defeated Stanford to get to the championship. So, you know, they're, they're winning. They're starting to kind of pick it up, I think. And um, I know, you know, for some reason, like in the SEC tournament, the some of the teams that you overlook, like Texas A&M, 
they tend to go off in their turn in their postseason tournaments. And they know it's because they're playing for the they're playing to get into the regionals and to get into the postseason play. So they know that if they do well here, they might have done enough to get there. So that's what Arizona did. They did just enough. They're one of the last teams in. They're another team that's kind of got nothing to lose. They're going to see what they can do in this regional. Yeah. Yeah. You you got three teams, two conference champions, and then an at-large bid that was a bubble team that is probably better than their record shows. We talked to Chip Hale, the head coach of Arizona, on Thursday, and he he said basically, you know, to sum it up, he wanted his guys to get at least one more chance to play because he knows that they played great down the stretch and he knows that if they if they get the opportunity they can prove themselves. So Arizona is a team that I've seen thrown out uh, on Twitter by reputable like credible people saying like this is a team that can make an Arkansas Ole Miss like run uh from last year. Like those the way that Arkansas and Ole Miss did last year. So uh let's get into it though. Um do you want to should we start with Santa Clara? I guess, because that's who Arkansas is playing on Friday. Yeah, let's start with Santa Clara and uh, Hunter Holland. Okay, yes. Yeah, so Hunter Holland going to start against Santa Clara on Thursday, uh, starting for Santa Clara. I I need to pull it up. I, I don't have his name memorized. Cole Kitchen, right-hand pitcher. Let's pull up Cole Kitchen's numbers. I got a story on hogbeat.com. I previewed all three of the, the teams in the Fayetteville Regional. Really in-depth preview. Go check them out. Uh, so Cole Kitchen, right-hand pitcher, he's a senior, five foot eleven, two hundred pounds. Started fifteen games, four two five ERA, uh, thrown seventy eight and a third, seven point seven strikeouts per nine. So yeah, I mean he, I he just seems like you know, a, a consistent, you know, well oiled machine for this Santa Clara team, and I think that they're gonna try to ride him as long as they can, but it's a Santa Clara team that has some really good arms because head coach uh, Rusty Filter is a very good pitching coach, Christian. I don't know if you read this this note, but he was the pitching coach at San Diego State uh, where he coached Steven Strasburg, wow. a guy that Robert is very familiar with, the number one overall pick in the 2009 MLB draft by the Washington Nationals. But that wasn't his only number one pick that he coached, Christian. Rusty Filter then took over as the uh, the pitching coach at Stanford, where he helped mentor Mark Apple, who was also selected number one overall in the wow. 2013 draft by the Astros. Wow. Is it Apple? Appel, maybe? I'm not sure. P-P-E-L. Mark? Go with, go with uh, Apple. Okay. I think it's uh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, this guy has a, a a very strong track record of coaching good pitchers, and it makes sense that they led the West Coast Conference with a 4.42 team ERA, uh, and they were second in the conference with 8.7 strikeouts per nine innings as a staff. So it's a t- this is a team that, uh, let's see, they have an eight-game winning streak, won mm-hmm. 17 of its last 20 games. Uh, their 35 wins are the most since – their 1997 campaign, which was also the last time they made the NCAA tournament. So uh, a very good team. Right-hand pitcher, Skylar Hales, he throws 100 out of the bullpen. Sheesh. So, I mean, it's it's a good team. I mean, on paper, Arkansas should win. If you just look at the numbers, the RPI, the strength of schedule, all that, but we know that that doesn't tell the whole story. Um, but I still, I mean, Hunter Holland's going to be on the mound for Arkansas. We know what Hunter Holland gives you. 
Uh, what you need out of this game, though, this first game, is you need Hunter Holland to give you innings because we know in a regional, Arkansas could play five games this weekend. You need right. Hunter Holland to probably go minimum six. You probably want you know at least seven out of him, right? That's right. what I would think. Yeah, but they're going to probably pair him with somebody, right? You think they're going to pair him with Hagen or McIntyre? Game no, one? no, no. I would assume Hagen starts game two. McIntyre, yeah. maybe. It really just depends on what the situation is. Because if Arkansas is up by like eight, nine runs, then you're probably going to go to someone like maybe Cody Adcock or Parker Coyle or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that you need, it's just, you have, it's got to be so hard to manage arms during a regional as a head coach. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we saw how it was last last season or last postseason. You know, you know. Um, I mean, Zach Morris started a game. Yeah, and then Connor Nolan coming out of the pen, right? Yeah. So, but it, it, it's gonna get it's gonna get weird a little bit, but it's because it's these games are so important. They need to win everything, every inning and pitch counts. Um, but yeah, and it, you mentioned a couple pitchers, but may, maybe it's a game that Gage Wood gets in, gets a gets an inning, gets yeah. fifty pitches in. So. Yeah, I think it's like you said, it just depends on the moment, who how the game's going, if they have a decent lead or not. Um, if it's a close game, it would not surprise me if it goes Hunter Holland to McIntyre, you know, five and five and four, six and three, uh, as far as innings pitch total. Um I was trying to pull up Hunter Holland's stats for his last couple games. Just um, to see how many innings he's pitching. I I know last game against LSU at the SEC tournament, which he five. said was his first relief appearance since junior year of high school. He went five and a third out of the bullpen. Yeah. So, so if you get five, five to six out of him Friday, I think that's great. I would, I think you said seven would be a awesome. awesome. I day. mean, yeah, that's asking a lot, but yeah. the, we did also mention this. We didn't know how his leg was doing. Sure. Um, it, it, we did get an update from Dave. He did say, uh, it's probably just about gone. He's a lot better, pitched really well, um, and then it's continued to get better. So he said as of Wednesday, Hunter Holland's feeling really good. So that's a good sign. Um, my last my last few notes on Santa Clara, uh, a couple of hitters. Uh, Michael O'Hara, we talked to him on Thursday. He's got uh, – he's hitting 323. Three homers, 37 RBI. Uh, Efren Manzo, I hope I said that right. He has 17 homers, 54 RBI on the year, hitting 318, uh, 668 slugging. So that's good. A couple fun names, though. John John Baring, probably going to be the leadoff guy. That's a fun name. <laughs> and then there's another one here. Oh, Thomas Faragiaro. I think that's – I. I'm probably 100% no. saying wrong i think that's good um freshman third wow. base he he might not play i don't know I, I, I was going off of their their most pre or most recent starting lineup it looks like they got some brothers is that dawson and coleman brigham or brigman yeah yeah they have some brothers so that'll be cool <laughs> um yeah okay that's santa clara let's uh let's talk about tcu now mm. let me uh, that's Arizona. Okay, here's TCU. All right, so we talked about it on Monday. If you listen to the podcast, this was the team that you did not want to see if you were Arkansas. 
this this TCU team, first of all, beat you 18 to 6 back in February. Remember that? That was a butt kicking. Yeah. Um it was just all around a bad game from Arkansas, except for the first inning. I, I think I want to say Hudson Polk had a home run in this game too. Is this the game that uh Jason Jones had a home run? Mm, I think that was the Oklahoma State game the next day. I'm uh, not 100% sure, though. Uh, either way, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it's still a good TCU team. They had a lull. They went 1-8 and eight from April 21st through the 30th. Uh, but then after that, they've won 14 of their last 16. Uh, mm-hmm. They're a really good team. We talked about it. They won the Big 12. So the Big 12 calls it the Big 12 Baseball Championship instead of the conference tournament. Like it's that's what it's called is the baseball championship. They just want to be different, I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, beat Oklahoma State. So it's a TCU team that's really hot. Like a really, really good uh TCU team. I I mean, I remember watching them back back in Arlington and I Robert was with me and I, I mean I wasn't shy to say that this TCU team's gonna make it to Omaha. Like they looked really, really good. I mean, it was only the second the first three games of the season, but you can tell that they are a really good ball team. Yeah, they took two out of three from Oklahoma State in the regular season, and then they defeated them in the Big 12 championship. So three out of four matchups. So, like, we know Oklahoma State's good. And so if TCU's hanging with them and beating them, you know, more times than not, like, yeah, they're going to be tough. They're going to be tough. It'll, uh, be, it'll be interesting to see their first game with Arizona, see how they look. I think they're starting Cole Klecker for the first game. Okay. Uh, you know, Braden Taylor, I mean, he's, he was an all big 12 first teamer, had 20 home runs, 50 RBI, hit 306 on the year. Um, Anthony Silva shortstop and then relief pitcher Garrett Wright, all big 12 second team selections. So I mentioned Klecker, he's got 13 starts on the year, 404 ERA. Wright. The guy who was the second team all big 12 selection, four saves, 16 appearances, mm. um, 16 walks, 28 strikeouts, only nine earned runs on the year. Wow. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it's it's a up and down the lineup. This TCU team hits the ball really well. Uh, they have a better team team batting average than Arkansas, more runs scored than Arkansas. Arkansas does have more home runs. They have a better team ERA, uh, only one more walk and 21 less strikeouts than Arkansas as a team. So, Mm. like, Arkansas and TCU, they match up well. It's just TCU is a team that you know that they're playing really good at the right time. Yeah, and they just fit – they fit the mold for that perfect team to, like, try to pull out an upset. So, it's just – that was that was why we were kind of hesitant to want them matched up with us just because it it would make sense of of any team that would upset the regional host. This TCU team, it could be the one. Yeah, I I do not like TCU. We I mean I mentioned it. This the team you don't want to see, but they're here now, and that you, you gotta you gotta play with the cards that you were dealt. And so maybe you just hope that Arizona beats TCU, um, yeah. and then you play Arizona. I mean, assuming you beat Santa Clara, then you play Arizona on Saturday night. Gotta yeah, just gotta hope Arizona gives them a hard time too. Make them use some pitchers. Make them go to the bullpen early. You know. We'll see what Arizona's got too. I mean, that first day is going to be telling and kind of tell us a lot about what we got in this regional. So, yeah, I think I think for Arizona, yeah, TCU TCU definitely is better off. I think if you get to their bullpen than Arizona will be, which brings us to Arizona. 
led by second-year head coach Chip Hale, seven and two over their last nine games. Christian, you mentioned it. They made a run to the Pac-12 Conference Tournament Championship. Did lose to Oregon, but they did enough to get into the NCAA tournament. I mean, their RPI is 45. Um, you know, they 23 and 8 record at home, but they're 4 and 14 on the road. That's that's a, a number that you want to look at right there. Well, we'll we'll talk to Matt Grissom later. The thing with these Pac-12 teams is that they were really beaten up on each other a lot. Um mm-hmm. And so I feel like some of these Arizona numbers, um, and I'll read them to you. So they led the Pac-12 in batting average, 320 team batting average, uh, led the big – or not Big 12, Pac-12, excuse me. Led the Pac-12 in runs scored, 492 hits, 670 doubles, they had 149 doubles, triples, 29 triples, and they led the conference in slugging percentage. Wow. That's crazy for a team that – I. Th- I want to say they were like ten and eighteen in conference play. Uh, they were twelve and eighteen. Twelve and eighteen. So to to have to be six games below five hundred in conference play and to lead the conference in all of those hitting stats, that says a lot about your pitching, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So that's that's the thing with this Arizona team is the the pitching has been tough. Um. They did have a, a a big win, I guess, against Tennessee to start the season, though. They did. That was because Tennessee lost to Arizona and Grand Canyon that weekend. Oh, wow. They lost to Zach Gregory and Grand Canyon. I remember that. <laughs> that was huge. Um, That was back when Tennessee fans were still being Tennessee fans and you could still mess with them on Twitter. Now they're just like, they're so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at the Arizona schedule right now. They had a couple tough series. They got swept by Oregon State. Um, let's see, two out of three to Stanford. But then they they won against Stanford in a shootout, 21 to 20. So they got it. They have those moments. But, yeah, they give up runs. They give up runs for sure. Yeah. Um, let's let's walk through some of the, some of the names. So we know that – what's his name? Cam Walty, he's going to be starting against TCU. So um, he he was hurt early in the year, but he has a 5-0 record, a 533 ERA across eight starts. Um, he's probably been their best arm. You just look at his numbers. Where was it at? I think there was something. Yeah, here's the number that impresses me the most. So he's thrown 49 innings. He has 48 strikeouts, and he only has eight walks on the year. 48 wow. strikeouts. He's he's only walked eight batters in 49 innings pitched. It's pretty good. I want is he a pitch to contact guy because he gives up a lot of hits. Uh I mean, yeah, giving up 59 hits, but only 29 earned runs. So oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, but I mean 48 strikeouts in 49 innings, that's, that's almost one an inning. It's great, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Arkansas, you're lucky that you're not facing him, but you look at the the rest of the guys. Uh, and I, so like I in this story, I list out the pitch, the pitchers that are noteworthy, like the guys that throw a lot of innings. I'm just going to read the ERAs here. Five, two, eight, six, fifty, eight point oh eight, six point oh eight, six point two seven, five point six three, four point eight five, three point four six. Like almost all of those are above five. <laughs> Tough. Yeah, yeah. that'll be nicest to match up with them and get some runs going. 
but they do have um some bullpen arms that they like to turn to pretty pretty often. Um, Dawson Nets, 30 appearances. Trevor Long, 29 appearances. Be looking out for those guys. Two juniors, two righties. Uh, both 6'1". Long is 198. Nets is 197. Wow, I didn't even notice this. So they're both juniors. They're both 6'1", and they're only one pound apart, and they're both right-handed pitchers. That's looking- the model I like, apparently. <laughs> I'm looking to see if they have anything else that matches up. No, they don't. Okay. That would have been cool though. Okay, nothing. Um, so yeah, no, Arizona, I think if you can if all you have to do is hit against them. Yeah. And and your pitching has to like at least be decent. Because they cannot they can't pitch, at least on paper, but they can really swing the bat. They got this dude, uh Chase Davis. He he's uh the left fielder, twenty one homers, seventy four RBI, and then he's, right after him, Kiko Romero, eighty six RBI, nineteen homers. He's also got seventeen doubles on the year. He's slugging seven eleven. Seven eleven, love it. Yeah, this I mean this this Arizona lineup is just filthy. Of of I mean you look at it, four of the top five hitters all have double digit home runs. <laughs> Yeah, they got uh, – is it that – I guess that West Coast air, the ball flies out there. You know, Dave actually said something about that today. Well, I guess Arizona, but it's p- pretty much West Coast. What do you say? I have it here. Okay. Uh, they play in Arizona, so the ball travels. Uh, so their pitchers' ERAs are probably going to be higher than they would be if they played here or in the Midwest or out east or whatever. Mm, that's a good point. So maybe their pitchers aren't as bad as I thought they were. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have like some of the most dominant performances of the year. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. That was that was the new and improved segment of just reading numbers and stuff. I feel like I did better. Robert kind of just like reads the name and reads the guy's stats, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, he 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 pretty much did what we did, but we put a little sauce on it. It was more fun. It was. Yeah. Fun. Um. Okay. Let's see here. We have Zach Morris and Matt. Grissom coming up, but before we have them, let's go ahead and tell you about our friends at MyPerfectFranchise.net. You need to visit MyPerfectFranchise.net if you're ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream, if you're looking for a side hustle while working your current job, or if you're wanting to diversify, build wealth, or leave a legacy. Just call Andy Ledecky. He's a franchise consultant as well as a franchise owner. He helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. The big thing, his services are 100% free, and he's here to help if you have any questions about business ownership. So visit MyPerfectFranchise.net or call the number 404-973-9901. Tell Andy Andy that the the Diamond Hogs podcast sent you, and uh, he'll give you a free coffee. He'll buy you a coffee if you tell him the Diamond Hawks podcast sent you. What a nice guy. Not actually, but tell <laughs> him and then say they said that you would buy us a coffee and then see if it if it happens. Yeah, and let us know. Yeah. Report back to us. Um, okay. Anything I guess we gotta do okay, so let's let's just check off the list here. We previewed the three teams. We yeah. have Zach Morris coming up, we have Matt Grissom coming up. Uh, mention the starter, Hunter Holland. We do need you want to 
Speculate. Speculate. Yeah. Okay. I think Hagen Smith is going to start game two. Okay. No matter what. And then after that, you're probably looking at Brady Tiger. And yep. then after that, you reevaluate and then you you see how many innings has Will McIntyre thrown. Mm-hmm. How many innings has Cody Adcock thrown? And then also you can if I mean if you have to, you can consider a guy like Ben Bybee. Yeah. I think as every weekend during the regular season, but especially now, this game one is going to tell a lot about what how this bullpen is going to go. Because like I was, I mentioned earlier, do you want to pair him with, you know, McIntyre or Hagen? And you really don't want to have to do that game one because you want to save it for the Tiger one because you want Tiger to go four to five innings and pair him with McIntyre or um, I guess who else? Adcock, Adcock and, and Gage Wood probably. So yeah, we'll just we'll see how this first game goes. If it's uh if it's a close one, then we might use two big two big pitchers right away. But then we'll set the piece together the rest of it. Um. Okay. Speculation. We did that. Um. Hagen Smith, collegiate baseball newspaper, first team All American. Yeah. Congratulations, Hagen Smith. Yeah. Um. Is he on the uh, Golden Spikes watch list too? He was a semifinalist. Finalist. One of the twenty-five semifinalists. Nice. Um, okay, let's let's do bold predictions. All right. You have a bold prediction thought of, or did you forget about it until just no. I, I can uh pull up one on the spot. Um I, I forgot I, about it too. So I mean no, I, I want to go with my prediction for the SEC tournament. Can I go back to back same predictions? I don't even I, remember what it was. I need I need to see Wagner get back to Wagner, get back to his old ways. I want him to hit three bombs over the regional. He hit one on day one of the SC tournament. And I was, I texted you guys, you and Robert, and I was like, Oh, there he is. And then he had the whole rest of the weekend to go and he didn't hit another one. Um, But uh, I think, yeah, I I would love to see Wagner get going again. It would, when they need him to start hitting, going obviously into the regional and supers and, hopefully Omaha. So I would go with Jared Wagner, three bombs over the weekend. Okay. I like that. I'm going to go with um, Ben McLaughlin is going to have a walk-off hit. I like that. I like that. He's definitely definitely going to pinch hit a few moments, I think. He's going to Charlie Welch it. Um, Well, that wasn't a walk-off though, was it? No, it was just to go. Uh, well, actually, the run came in already to go ahead, and that just kind of like sealed the game, pretty much. Correct. Okay. Um, speaking of Charlie Welch, I've been in contact with him. We were going to have him on this episode. Schedules didn't line up. Might have him on for maybe a post game this weekend. Um, yeah. We'll see, but hopefully, get him on at some point soon because I really wanted to talk to him before the regional. Yeah, I mean. It would be fun to get to hear hear him talk about that game again and then get his thoughts on the current team. So hopefully that works out. Yeah. Okay. Uh I like our bold predictions. I think I think Ben McLaughlin walk off. That would be fun. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I think that that has a high like that probably could happen more than the Wagner three home runs. <laughs> probably so. Yeah. Um, do you have any do you have any intel on uh 
like any anything fun happening at the ballpark this weekend, or is it? Is it? I th- I think it's like pretty strict with like nothing yeah. crazy for NCAA tournament. Yeah. So for the Razorbacks as a host, it's hard to. There's not a lot of freedom to do like kind of fun things or even like giveaways or anything like that because it's the NCAA. You know, has a lot of uh, just they just want to keep it as you know even and level for every team. So. Yeah, not a lot of not a lot of stuff as far as that going on, but it will definitely be an exciting environment. Get get down to the ballpark, get in line. Um, I think it'll be one a one that you're going to remember. I think it's going to be one of those regionals that's going to stick stick around for a while. It's definitely going to be very competitive, um, yep. very competitive. Um, and we will talk about that more right now with Matt Grissom of College Baseball Insiders. Here's a great interview with him, followed by Zach Morris. The Diamond Hogs Podcast is the premier Razorback baseball podcast. All right, we now welcome on Matt Grissom of College Baseball Insiders. We talked about it. We're going to have him on throughout the postseason. And I'm so excited to have you on, Matt, because last year I had I had a lot of fun betting uh, during the regionals and super regionals specifically. Uh, and so you have you guys put out your regional betting guide, which is available if you go to uh, y'all's Twitter Twitter page, which is at NCAA Insiders. You also have collegebaseballinsiders.com. You want to kind of walk us through a little bit of what went into that regional betting guide? Yeah, a lot of stuff I don't fully understand, thanks to the people that helped me with it. I've got two uh, statisticians, one of the it's one that's an economist that was just on with Hutch or in a an article that Hutch had written up uh, where he had predicted through his his numbers that Fayetteville had the toughest regional. And I think, you know, you let's start with that one. You look at TCU coming in, uh, just won the Big 12 regular season championship or postseason championship. They're playing really good ball right now. I think a lot of Razorback fans are a little worried. Arizona, I'm not too worried about. They're, the Pac-12 has been down in general. Uh, but then this Santa Clara team, that, that they shouldn't be slept on either. And I think that's evident with Dave Van Horn's decision to go ahead and throw Holland tomorrow. Yeah, so the the thing about this is, and we we talked to Dave Van Horn about the Fayetteville Regional being one of the harder ones, and he definitely agreed. He was like, it's, it's one or two. Um, so – we know about the Fayetteville Regional, and and we're going to talk about the the other teams. If not, I mean, we might have already talked about them by this point on the podcast. But let's hear about some other regionals. Give give the people an idea of some some regionals that you're keeping a close eye on. Before we started recording, we talked about Boston College, Alabama, over there in the Tuscaloosa Regional. Maybe some other regionals for people to keep an eye on. Yeah, so I think that. The one that intrigues me the most is this Clemson regional. Clemson's coming in on a 16-game win streak. I know I was high on them. Eric Backage has the Tigers playing really well. Then they get placed with Tennessee, who, as you know, has the pitching rotation to to be anybody in the country. I mean, they're, they're number two in just about every team pitching category behind Wake Forest. And I don't know. A good pitching team usually travels well, but that just hasn't been the case for Tennessee. For whatever reason, they can't win outside of Lindsey Nelson Stadium. They come in 5-14 and 14 on the road. Uh, but I think the best thing that they've got working for them is the postseason is a new season, and they could start making some, some changes right now. And they're going to face a Charlotte team who, don't get me wrong, Charlotte shouldn't be slept on. But let's face it, Tennessee – 
they're they've got a 25 and 2 record against RPI 50 plus teams. Charlotte's sitting there at 66. So the trends would tell you that Tennessee should be able to take care of business. And then Lipscomb could tra- could challenge Clemson. I with Clemson going so deep in the ACC tournament, they may be short arms right now. They've had a long week and yeah, they're getting a host, but in a stadium with, you know, 6,000 people, it may not be just too tough. Like Tennessee's not going to be affected by it at all because that's, that's your average run of the mill stadium in the sec. So I've definitely got my eye on that one. And then you touched on Alabama earlier. I think Tuscaloosa actually is a pretty easy regional for Bama, but the one that I think could get tough for an sec opponent is the, uh, the Auburn regional. You've got a Penn Quakers team, and before you laugh, yeah, they're the four seed. Uh, my guy Parker Fleming, he's he's got them at a 21% win probability to win this regional. The Quakers are a decent ball club. Now, they're 10 to 1 to win this regional, and that's that's not very good. They probably won't win it, but it'd be a fun long shot bet to sweat, especially if they could steal game one against Auburn where they may pitch – you know, a non-starter that or that maybe throws during the midweek or something. But then Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss is in that regional. They've got Tanner Hall, who is a fantastic pitcher. Uh, so Southern Miss could definitely come out of that regional as well. I was kind of surprised to see Auburn get that, uh, that hosting spot. Yeah, they've been playing better here lately, but um, that – they haven't they've got a losing record against the RPI top 50 and in the SEC that's not very good uh, and then the last one I'll touch on in the, uh, the SEC you've got Columbia South Carolina's coach as we all probably saw he was kind of begging the committee to look at the scope of work in general before you know they they kick them out of the hosting picture and they're hosting a, a Campbell team that is probably really upset that they're not they're not the ones hosting that. Uh, I think Campbell has all the weapons in the world to beat NC State tomorrow and then South Carolina in a likely game too. So I would be I would be living on the Camels right now um, as far as betting goes. I think plus two hundred is a, a really fair price for them to win the regional as well. Touching back on the uh, the Alabama Tuscaloosa regional, you said you think that Alabama is pretty much going to get through that. You don't give Boston College a shot. Boston College was good earlier in the season, and then they just really fell off. There, they had a guy Chris Flynn. He was like a sub three ERA guy. He was money as a game two starter. They started messing around. They had Henry Leak throwing, and then it was Chris Leak or Chris Flynn, then a, a guy named John Leak and or John West sorry and Flynn was the money pitcher I mean that's that was the one well then they transitioned him into like a Friday night guy and he fell off I think he's got a like over a seven ERA over his last three starts he's just getting shelled right now and plus the ACC I mean outside of your your gauntlets of like Virginia Clemson and Wake Boston College didn't beat any of them I mean that this team struggled. They're 13 and 14 against RPI top 50 teams. It's a shame that we can't bet Alabama because of Brad Bohannon's whole deal, but uh, Alabama at minus 135 to win this regional would be almost a guarantee. 
Okay, so you you talked about your friend Parker, and I I saw a little bit of his stats on Twitter, and I, I read Hutch's story as well. Um, based on you know the numbers that you've looked at from him, and maybe some conversations you guys have had, what's a maybe a, a dark horse regional pick that that you're like this this is a team not a host team, but this is a team that has a really good shot at coming out of this regional. So interestingly enough. Um... He's got our regional at at pretty much a three-way race. I mean, he, even Santa Clara has a 12% probability. Arizona's got a 25%. TCU's got a 26%. And Arkansas's got 37 So as far as, like, his numbers, that is a very competitive one, and I would hate to bet against the Hogs. But I think getting TCU at, at almost 4-1 to one odds, I mean, just – that's probably not a bad thing to have in your pocket because the way I look at it is if you leave the regional heartbroken as a hog fan, at least you've got money in your pocket. Uh, Outside of that, there's just not a whole lot of value on the board. I mean, Vanderbilt, LSU, they both got cakewalks into, into the super regionals. I mean, LSU's facing an Oregon state team that's going to be without two of their pitchers. Um, Sam Houston state is decent Tulane shouldn't even have been in the conversation. They're 19 and 40 on the year. I mean, you just waved LSU right through and Nashville, the, the Vanderbilt regional, the same way. I mean, Oregon outside of Jay Stoffel, uh, which he may be a, a guy that you can back, but he's been hurt. And I know Vanderbilt's getting some of their core guys back as well. So I think Vanderbilt LSU, they're both going to walk in, um, and I've got all these numbers and everything broken down, like Mason was saying in, in our college baseball regional guide. Um, I'm just trying to look through here to see. I know a lot of people are on ECU in the, the Charlottesville regional. I, I'm i not buying them. I mean, they're four and eight against RPI top 50. They just haven't been challenged enough. Virginia plays really well at home. Uh, they're 31 and four. So kind of like the hogs and bomb Walker, it's, it's tough to beat for the Cavaliers at home. Um, Texas A&M going out to Stanford. That's going to be a tough one for A&M because they just had a long weekend in Hoover. And then you get on a plane and you go out West. You're playing in now low seventies. I think it was what high eighties in Hoover, a lot of humidity. Now you're going to go out there and, it's just going to be a completely change of pace. And Stanford's one of those teams that they seem to always be in that super regional picture, the the Omaha picture. We've faced up against them, uh, I feel like, here a lot lately. Um, outside of that, I mean, your your ones and two seeds are almost always a lock to, to pass through. I think it's clipping at about a 91%. If you're a one or two seed, you're going to be the team to advance. So it's not like March Madness. I know people, you know, they listen to the show, follow baseball closer, but I've been been trying to explain to people. It's not like March Madness where you get like a 16 seed upsetting a one. It's uh it's a little harder over a double elimination weekend for the better team to not come out on top. But I will end that to say Dallas Baptist is probably gonna win that Stillwater Regional. And at plus 225, that may be your best long shot that I'm confident in. 
Okay, that's that's something that I was about to get into. I was gonna I was gonna do a, a little segment where I name three teams and you tell me which one has the best shot. Uh let's do it. I'm tired of looking at numbers all day. Okay. Uh Iowa, West Virginia, and Texas. Iowa would be my favorite. West Virginia is good. JJ Weatherholt, Blaine Traxel as a pitcher. That's a good combination, but that's just one pitcher. Kind of like LSU's, you know, Ty Floyd's come on, but Paul Skeens after him, who goes? Like, who do you have confidence in? That's kind of like West Virginia's boat. They just got swept by Texas. Texas is one of those hit-or-miss teams. Uh, LeBaron Johnson Jr. and Lucas Gordon are both pitching better right now, but I I think Iowa getting matched up against Indiana State, and which – Congrats to to Terre Haute getting put on the map. Um, I think that regional is Iowa's for the taking. North Carolina is going to be without Vance Honeycutt, which is a huge blow for them. Um, Iowa coming off, you know, dropping that 4-0 game against Maryland in the Big Ten tournament, but they got to save all their pitchers. So that really wasn't wasn't a bad loss for them. All right, we will wrap it up here. Matt Grissom of College Baseball Insiders. Always appreciate your insight. So Friday, this is when that's when this episode comes out. It's regional time. Let's let's talk about some picks that you have for Friday. So I did bet TCU. I thought TCU minus one thirty was way too cheap against the Arizona team that they should mop the floor with. If y'all are hanging out in Fayetteville, stick around because that should be a fun game. Uh, I did lay it with Iowa, minus 121. I, same thing as, as kind of the handicapping of the whole regional. This North Carolina team has been too inconsistent at times, and now they're without Vance Honeycutt. So Iowa, minus 121 was a play for me. And then I bet Campbell Camels, minus 137. This team, like I said, I feel like they're going to come in. They're mad that they didn't get to host, and they're going to have a lot to prove. I like it. I like the TCU pick. I am a little a little concerned about Arizona. I their offensive numbers are incredible. That's that's what Arizona has going for them, but they're I mean, I, if you look at their pitching numbers, it's not not very pretty. I will say the Pac-12 used to be like a place where really good pitchers were. The Pac-12 hadn't had it this year. I mean, outside of maybe like three guys in the in the whole conference and still runs have been very scarce in the Pac-12. So those may be a little inflated. They're beating up on some pretty bad pitching. All right, Matt Grissom, College Baseball Insiders. Go check it out. They have the regional preview. It is out. Check it out before you get to uh, start watching games. The regional betting guide. Go look at it. They are at NCAA Insiders on Twitter. Matt, thanks for your time, man. Absolutely. Thank you all. Cheers. Go Hogs. You're listening to the Diamond Hogs podcast with Mason Choate and Robert Stewart. All right, we now welcome on Zach Morris, left-handed pitcher for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Zach, postseason baseball, you're you're experienced with this now. You've been at Arkansas for a little bit. What's the what's the change in the mindset from regular season to now? It's it's postseason and it's basically a new a new season for you guys. What I like to think of or what I want the guys to kind of understand, the coaches do a great job with this, is just keeping the thing or the main thing, the main thing, like 
we don't take any gains for granted. So moving forward, we really can't take these gains for granted. Um, yesterday was a really good reminder from what the coaches told us. Like, hey, what we did in the past don't matter anymore. Like, we're 0-0 moving forward. And so we just got to keep playing good ball, putting uh, the offense and the and the pitching together to win some games. And so I feel like just the mindset needs to be – well, I said the same for every game. But, I mean, obviously a little more hooked up can't hurt you. So that's kind of what our mindset is moving forward. So for you, you know, it's been a little bit of an up and down season, but now you're really hitting your stride at the right time. What What's the work behind the scenes been like to make it happen to where now you're, you're on your game? Yeah, it's been kind of tough. Obviously last year was the same thing with me. Um, I just kind of just kept with the process. The process is a real big thing and uh, trying to, have confidence in what you're doing and I didn't really stop doing certain things which is why I was not doing as good early in the year I just kept doing the things I was supposed to do what I wanted to work on like it's not the same thing I'm working on every day sometimes it's different sometimes it's not but uh, for the most part I never stopped working uh, for me I think personally it was just the confidence factor especially when bad outings are like kind of stringing together one after the other I felt like it was more of a confidence thing for me to just get back in my groove. Um, obviously, with some analytics, I looked at some of the previous stuff that compared to last year in the fall and then compared to how they were earlier in the year. And I kind of like try to see how it could become better. And I feel like that kind of technology has helped me out to get me to where I am now. But overall, I just say the confidence level is what was my thing. So you talk about the, the analytics and the technology, but – how much did, you know, Coach Hobbs or maybe some specific teammates, you know, just the people around you, how much did that help you? It definitely helps a lot. So I'll just say from this, seeing what or the change I made this year was I kind of found it on my own. So I was like, man, I'm really struggling. I got to figure this out because I'm an older guy. Like these guys need some type of leadership That's from an older guy moving forward out of the pit. And I was just looking at some previous outings like last year when my all my stuff looked really sharp, really good. And I was like, what's going on in this video? And then I compared it to this year's video from earlier in the season. And same with like the analytics stuff, like release height, if I'm getting on the side of the ball, all this kind of stuff. And I just kind of compared the two and I was like, and I found this one thing that kind of like caught my eye the most. And once I found that out myself, because I was trying to just work this out. Obviously, the coaches were trying to help me out, but it's really me to – it's on me to fix this because it's my body. Like, I've got to do it. They can't do it for me. And so I brought to to their attention what I found, and they were kind of like, wow, this makes a lot of sense in what you're saying. And just having Coach Hobbs and even DJ and, and Barr and uh, all those guys who are uh, real helpful, it's it, – makes uh makes the process a little more easier because they see what you're talking about and it they see that uh what you're saying makes a lot of sense and so it just it's it's kind of a relief whenever you have guys who know what they're talking about obviously coach Hobbs and our pitching staff is one of the best in the country and they continue to show it and I just feel like it's real real comfortable for me to approach them with things like that especially as an older guy like I'm trying to figure this out for the betterment of the team so 
So what was that one thing that you saw? Or is that something that if you say it, it might tip off some batters? I mean, I don't think that'll be too much of a of a change for them to see. But from what I saw, it was kind of like a release height. So when I was when I would throw earlier in the year, I was getting more on the side of the ball. And so my release height was lower than what it normally was. So meaning overall that I'm not on top of the ball like I was last year. And I don't really think you can see a huge difference from a from a hitting standpoint and a difference in the arm arm angle and release height and all that because it was only like uh, I can't remember three three inches two three inches or so and once I figured that out I really tried to emphasize like getting on top of the ball to work to the point when I was playing catch it was kind of like uncomfortable um like because I'm just trying to over exaggerate that movement to get back to throwing on top so uh, that's kind of what the whole point of it was. And ever since I figured that out, I kind of slowly got it together middle of the season. And then over the last, I guess, month or so, uh, it kind of has been working out in my favor. So before I get into some uh, non-Arkansas Razorback stuff, what do you think about the regional draw, the the teams that are going to be coming to Fayetteville, Santa Clara, TCU, Arizona? Yeah, I think it's going to be a real tough regional, like every every regional uh, will be. Uh, these are the top 64 teams in the country with their respect to whatever conference they're in. So we're not going to take each or any team lightly. So we're going to go out there and show show them what we got. Um, just do our very best that we can. Uh, I feel like Arizona and TCU and Santa Clara, all of them are really good teams, and they kind of showed it in – uh, the tur- their tournaments, winning their conference tournaments, or just winning their conference overall. Like, they did something to earn the right into being in a regional. And like Coach Hobbs said and Coach Van Horns even said, like, from here on out, we're playing champions. And so they won something in order to make it to a regional. So uh, I think it's a, it'll be fun, a lot of fun, obviously very challenging, but every every – uh, NCAA tournament is going to be challenging regardless of what regional you're in. So we're looking forward to the challenge. Okay. So I have to ask you about this because I'm, I'm from Conway. So first of all, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of Cabot. Just going to throw it out there right now. Right now. I, I will say Cabot is better than Bryant though. Not, I, and I've talked to Will about this. Bryant, they're lucky that their coach, the head football coach just took the job at Conway. Yeah. Kind of a shady guy, but now that he's at Conway, he's a great person. Um, anyways, do you remember James Hicks? I mean, you guys just played against him in South Carolina, but do you remember him from Conway? See, I knew who he was just because Cabot and Conway, I mean, I want to say Cabot and Conway were kind of rivals, but at the same time, that 7A West or 7A Central at the time, you're kind of rivals with everybody. And that's just how I felt personally with all the guys that I played against in 2017 all the way to 2019. Like, I just felt like everybody was kind of, uh, kind of rival to me, but uh, yeah, I do remember him at the time. I don't, I can't really think of him like pitching against us though. I just knew he played in the field a lot and was pretty good at that. Well, I I asked because I read in a story it was about James. I somebody wrote that James hit a home run off of current Arkansas pitcher Zach Morris, and I wondered if you remember him hitting a home run off of you. To to be honest, I don't remember a lot of at-bats, but I do remember home runs. And to my knowledge, I only can remember one home – or two home runs that I've given up 
one was to Catholic and the other one was to Thomas Dillard. He used to play at Ole Miss my freshman year. But other than that, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know if that's true. If not, if he did, then I guess that's a pretty cool story for him. And, you know, kind of cool to see other Arkansas guys do their thing. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, so being a Cabot guy, I mean, were you born and raised in Cabot? Oh, yeah. So you – so it was like always a dream, like I'm I'm gonna go to Arkansas. Yeah, I was pretty much a diehard fan and I've always wanted to to be a Razorback. So when you got here, you know, it you have the journey of getting to where you started, um, to where you were like last year pitching in the College World Series. Was there a moment, you know, maybe last year during that postseason run when you're pitching in, you know, high leverage situations where you're like, holy crap. How the heck did I get here? Um, honestly, no, because I've always had that work ethic of working hard throughout high school and uh, going into college, being in the relief role, you kind of get yourself ready for those kind of high leverage situations. And last year, I kind of – I don't remember specifically what games or whatnot, but I'd, I would always come in with like less than uh, two outs. It would be zero, one out with bases – runners on third or second and third or first and second or bases loaded or something like that. And I would eventually do my job, but a lot of runners would end up scoring and stuff. And it just kind of was like a, a reoccurring theme for me and certain kind of like that aspect. I really didn't come in with like a clean inning except later on in the year. And so I feel like doing that so much during, throughout the season and, kind of dealing with that during fall ball too, whenever I do put myself in those situations, uh, those moments kind of build me or help me uh, build into a kind of pitcher to get out of those, uh, those scenarios uh, later on in the year in like a regional or a uh, conference tournament or super regional or Omaha even. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you this. This is a, a favorite question of ours to ask because we get different names every time. Who's the hardest guy that you've pitched to in scrimmages? So hardest Razorback batter that you've faced during your time? Oh, so career. Okay. Um, um, well, I can obviously uh, – obviously say because i'm you know i'm pretty old now uh heston kerstad was a hard one to face especially i mean even though i was left on left that guy he was i mean look at him now <laughs> he's just uh he's he's a good baseball player and he's i mean he's about to be in the pro soon so i'd say him and to be honest like someone didn't give me fits like tavian did this fall man like he was something else at the place specifically against me that guy just battled and get balanced, get balanced stuff off, and hardly ever swung and missed at anything got through. Yeah, we've gotten we've gotten Hessen from a lot of people. One that surprised us, I think I can't remember who said it. It might have been Connor Nolan. They said Braden Webb. Was he was he always tough? Um, I don't think for me personally, he was kind of tough. Uh, I want to say I don't know, but Braden was obviously a really good player too. But I feel like he wasn't, like, the hardest for me to face personally. But, I mean, that's why every guy's different. Yeah. They just uh, get other guys better than others. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, he he would have some at bats against me, and I was like, dang man, he just missed that ball or put some scary swings on uh, on pitches that I threw. So yeah, um, so more bigger picture from like hardest batter to face. Is there a team that you that you pitch against or that you've played? You know, maybe SEC because you've played SEC teams more, where you're like, I just hate throwing against this team. Um, I don't really know. I mean, I only threw against certain teams one time, so they only saw me once, whether it was for three innings or or whatnot. Um, I guess if I had to choose a team from the SEC, it would be, uh, uh, I guess, Bama. Bama kind of found – kind of had their – their way with me a little bit too last year and yeah i'd say bama yeah they're they're a scary team i bama yeah they're super old they're gonna make some noise in the postseason i agree so okay last one here um let's let's talk about this team specifically because i feel like we've heard more often than in the past like this team just find ways to win like you guys just want to win games and we we know that you know, all the things that have happened, injuries, tough schedule, everything with this team, you guys continue to win games. What is it about just wanting to win? I feel like not every team has that. We just have a, a just a resilient group, man. I mean, it's a whole new – I mean, it's a, it's a mostly new team. I'd say about 80% of the team was new coming in, and we kind of – Team chemistry in that aspect, we kind of had to grow on each other and figure out each other. And to be a good team, you can't just, like, uh, I guess push other guys away because they seem to be different or what you whatever you decide different is. We kind of, like, uh, included everybody in a group. So we just wanted to have that kind of – that kind of relationship with each other. And I felt like because of that, whenever one guy goes down, like Jackson, Cody, Dylan, uh, even Stovall, like the other, all these other significant injuries, like Tavian, when he missed Jared, when he missed, like the guys who weren't playing wanted to do good for those guys. And I feel like because of that, um, we were able to kind of create this, uh, just wanting to win for each other rather than wanting to win because we had to. So, yeah, that's good. I like that. We'll leave it at that. Zach Morris, thank you so much, man. Wishing you best of luck this postseason and uh, looking forward to watching you throw this weekend. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. All right, man. Have a good one. You've been listening to the Diamond Hogs podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Chote Mason and at DRStew32.